Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our Wednesday night study entitled A Study of Prayer based on the book How to Pray by Ronnie Floyd. Since this is a discussion-based study, we have edited out the comments made by those in attendance due to the fact that they do not have a microphone. May you draw closer to God each day in your prayer life. Lesson 17, Part 2, Praying for Others, How to Pray for the Sick. In the subheading of Praying for the Sick, uh, and uh, we got a little over the halfway mark last week, but I want us to finish it up tonight as we think about praying for the sick. And I got a couple questions that I want to ask about how you feel about them, but we know, number one, that God alone is the healer. Amen? He is the great physician. He is the healer. Uh, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. It says, for, uh, for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Uh, for you who fear my name. Uh, a lot of folks really don't understand or misunderstand what it means to fear God. That's not a, a, a trembling, although I believe that this is, this is a part of it, and that we ought to be so reverent before His holiness that we respect Him even to the point of trembling before Him uh, because of that burning holiness. But in, in, in the Hebrew, when it says we fear His name, that means that we practice submissive reverence before Him. That he is holy. Uh, as Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer, he is hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. Sometimes we approach God, I don't mean we as in this, in this room, but people approach God as the man upstairs. Uh, or the old grandpa that, uh, you know, just kind of overlooks our sin because he loves us so much. And that's not the picture that the Bible gives us, that God gives us of himself in his own word of who he is. But we are to fear him. We are to respect him. We are to worship him in reverence. Uh, it amazes me the number of people that ignore him, particularly believers ignoring him in worship. Amazes me. We are to fear him. We are to worship him. Now, when, it, when this verse says the sun, which is S-U-N, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. It is a, it is a prophecy of the S-O-N, uh, but the sun of righteousness. Now, when it says the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, that is not simply in the Hebrew language limited to physical healing. God is a God who heals in every avenue of our life. The supreme and primary way that he heals us is in the spiritual sense because that is eternal. Uh, our physical healings are going to be for a time. Lazarus himself was physically raised from the dead, but he was going to physically die again. Kind of sad a guy had to die twice, but uh, he was physically raised from the dead, but he would die again physically. Uh, but when we think about the, the healing of God, it's not limited to our bodies. It's an eternal uh, healing that we're destined for. Ultimately, the prophecy of Jesus Christ is that he is going to drive sin away. He has done that through the cross. He took our place on the cross, shed his own blood uh, in our place. 
and, and his gift to us is that he is going to be the medicine and the healer uh, to cure every disease. He is going to renew our strength and our vitality. Uh, there's a great passage of Scripture. Uh, I've used it a lot uh, by gravesides. Uh, Revelation 21, uh, as uh, we concentrate on verses 3 and 4, we hear about the ultimate healing. Uh, so just hear these words, Revelation 21. Of course, this is John got a glimpse into the holiness of where we will be one day. As he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. But in verses 3 and 4, he writes, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. There's the ultimate healing. There's the healing. Home. No tears. Uh, pain is past. Death is gone. Uh, we had a little laugh in here uh, a couple Saturdays ago. Was it last Saturday? Uh, Elwood and Marie Byram, uh, who were funeral directors in the Roseland area for many, many years. Both of them passed away. Uh, uh, over a year ago now, uh, within two months of one another. And so because of the COVID season, their daughter and family just decided to wait for a memorial service, which a year later happened here on Saturday. But I had to tell a little story. I had a part of the memorial service, and I had to tell a little story on him. Uh, I did not get this firsthand from the preacher. I know who the preacher is, but I won't share that name. But at any rate, uh, Elwood was conducting a funeral some years ago, uh, helping, of course, he was the funeral director. And he was, he was making sure all the operation of the funeral was taking place in the right way. Well, it got time for the preacher to speak at the funeral. And within the funeral, uh, the pastor said... When you get to heaven, there will not be hospital beds, there will not be disease, there will not be tears, there will not be funeral directors. And Elwood Byron told me, I pulled him aside afterward and said, there will be funeral directors there. We might not have a job, but we'll be there if we know Jesus. Uh, Elwood was a great believer and a, a deacon in the church and just a great guy. But I love that little story. But ultimately, our healing is home. A place of no more death, no more sorrow. We won't have to lock the doors there, it tells us in Revelation, because there won't be thieves there. Uh, there's going to be complete honesty, complete truth there. But let's talk about when Christians do get sick. Uh, we can play a part in their healing. But the ultimate healer is the Lord God and it's, the healing is always by the will and the hand and the blessing and the leading of God, not us. Here's an example. Paul was called on many times as a healer. Uh, one of the prime examples is in Acts chapter 20. If you remember, one of the more humorous moments. I, it's humorous at the end of the thing. Uh, but uh, you, you kind of have to, to giggle because I see people sleep in church every now and then. Uh, and Paul was preaching late into the night, and there was a young man named Eutychus uh, on a third floor, the third loft of a house, 
And uh, the preaching was going toward midnight, and this young man simply fell asleep and fell out of the loft and onto the ground. And, and Scripture says he was taken up dead. Doesn't say that he appeared to be dead. It didn't say that might, he might have been dead. It says he was taken up dead. Uh, and fall, uh, Paul fell upon him, and, of course, this young man was raised back to life. So Paul was called on as a healer, and Paul saw many miracles of healing uh, in the course of his ministry, many of which are recorded in God's Word. And yet, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, this is what he says. Trophimus was sick in Miletum, and I had to travel on without him. So, in other words, Paul was used by God. Paul wasn't the healer. God's the healer, but he used Paul as the vessel to, to relate the healing of God to many, many people. And yet, he says, for this one guy named Trophimus, uh, healing wasn't available to him at the moment. I had to leave him behind because he was sick. God's will, God's plan, God's healing, it was not Paul. Paul didn't just snap his finger and heal everybody that came along. Ernie? I think you're, you're very much on target there. Uh, and, of course, again, a lot of this is tied to the gift and the giving of the Holy Spirit, uh, the coming of the Spirit of God upon the church, uh, in that we have the power to call on the power of God because He lives in us. You know, we're studying that pas the passage in John right now where Jesus is teaching His disciples when the Holy Spirit comes and when the Spirit lives in you, you're going to be able to access the power of God immediately through Jesus Christ living in your heart. Uh, and and, and that's, that's a power that we have to call on day or night. Uh, and when we pray through Jesus Christ, we have the ear of God. When we pray through the Son, we have the ear of God. Uh, and so he is the one who ultimately he used the apostles uh, for miraculous healings, but he can use you and me in that we have his ear and we ask the prayer and then he's in charge of the miraculous healing. None of the apostles were ever in charge of the healing. It was always God's work through them. God's work continues through us because the Spirit lives in the believer. We're not the healers. Uh, the greatest doctors in the world, you know, Ernie mentioned the greatest doctors in the world. They are vessels, but they're not the healers. When, when, that, when that guy patched in that um, liver to my sister, he said, I'm off on a two-week vacation. See, y'all, he, he wasn't the healer. He patched, in, he patched in the new liver, and then he let God do the healing. Uh, I don't know if he's Christian or not, but he took a two-week vacation because he was done his part. Now it's in God's hands. You know, I believe God used him in a mighty way to put that liver in my sister and put everything together that had to be. I don't, I don't mean to take away from his expertise and his knowledge and uh, his call to be a physician. Please don't misunderstand me. But he couldn't heal my sister. He could physically had the talent, praise God, had the talent and the medical knowledge to put the pieces together where it needed to be. But who was in charge of getting that liver functioning again? God Almighty. Uh, so we have, to, we have to set the boundaries of who really the healer is. Uh, but what should we do? How, how are we to conduct ourselves when a fellow believer is ill? If, if, uh, 
if, a, if a, one of our brothers or sisters or even someone uh, very close to us, maybe even we ourselves are ill, what do we do? Well, of course, first and foremost, we pray for God to have his will in the healing. Uh, for his, for his will to be done in this healing. Yes, sir. Now, here's an important thought. And here's, in fact, let's just tie that in right now. Here's a, this, is a, this is a thought that came out of this book from Ronnie Floyd. Uh, the sick person, if in order for healing to come, the sick person needs to want God's will. Now, let, let's, there, here's a, that's a spot of discussion. How do you feel about that? If a person is truly going to be healed by the hand of God, that person needs to want the will of God. It seems to me like, didn't Jesus make a comment about his faith? Okay, so the guy lowered through the roof. Uh, the, the, the guys tore the roof off and lowered him down. They were men of faith. That's why they lowered him down. Right, that's very true. He was healed. And if, if I'm not mistaken, he's one that we don't ever hear of any other decision in his life. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, in, in the way of the, the uh, James passage, where, uh, where James says in chapter 5, verse 14, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Uh, so, if we bring this into the realm of believers, now, as with the, with the uh, passage of the, the man being lowered down, I, I briefly looked at it in Mark chapter 2. Uh, when, you, when you look at that passage, it's true. The faith of the four is what lowered him down. Uh, and at the healing, Jesus then forgave the man on the pallet. So he was saved at, at that healing, but he obviously came in, lowered down as an unbeliever or an unsaved person. He may have known about Christ, but he became saved at that point. And, of course, the physical healings were indicative of the greater healing. If he, if he has the power to heal physically, it's, a, it's an indicator he has the power to heal eternally. So the spiritual healing is always the greatest, ultimate healing. And that's what all the healings of Jesus and the apostles and everybody else who, who uh, displayed the power of God through them was always to point to the ultimate healing, always to point to eternal life and forgiveness. That, correct. Clyde said, not everyone, biblically and in my own experience, not everyone who gets healed physically gets it. And a lot of healed people get lost, or are still lost when they die. Uh, one prime example that stands in my mind happened 30-plus years ago, a man who almost died in an accident. Uh, and I visited with him faithfully for months. Uh, and... And he, he, was, he almost died. He, he was in the hospital for a long time. He came home. I visited with him, hospital, home, on a regular basis, always pointing. And, and, and here's a major point that we get to, too. When you're, when you're ministering someone uh, who is in the process of being healed, it's always, it's always your ministry and mine to point them to the greater healing. God, that's, that's, our, that's our work uh, is to point to the greater healing. God is giving you time here. Uh, and I, and, and I, I mentioned it to that man over and over and over again. Uh, and and he, never would, he never would pray with me. 
but he would always say, buddy, let me tell you what. When I get out of this, when I get out of this sick bed, when I get off this couch, when I get out of this chair, I'm going to be on the front row of your church. Do you think it ever happened? It happens a lot. And, and short of a, a, a deathbed confession, he died a lost man. Pastor Clyde, I'm going to give you this tonight. We have a long, long list. Uh, what, but we do. We're praying for the sick right now. Uh, if there are lost people on this list, then, then it's our ministry to point them from the physical healing to the greater healing. That's, that's, that's our call. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you will join us on our next podcast.